as we're in this period of ordinary time, working toward the end of the liturgical year, we're going to continue to be reminded of how we are to follow Jesus as his disciples. And it's going to constantly come back to let go. I heard this story the other day that um, Charles Dickens, the author, he used to always walk into bars and he would order a martini. And the bartenders at all these different bars, they used to always ask, Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist, get it? I think that one was clever. I didn't come up with it, but I thought it was clever. Welcome to episode 125. So great to be with all of you. If you are just listening for the first time or you have not yet done so, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. Leave a comment. You can go to our website, manafoodforthought.com. You can see all of our content there. Communicate with us and be directed to social media. And while you're there, share this podcast. You can tag us, find all of our content on Instagram at manafoodforthought or on Twitter at manafoodforthought. And the highest compliment you can pay us is sharing this with your family and friends. And while you're on the website, you can click the Patreon tab and become a financial sponsor or donor for as little as $1 a month. And you become a patron and patrons get perks. And so I'm so grateful for all of you for listening, for patrons, for this time with you. Let's get into joy, junk, and Jesus. So my joy, it's been a lot of joy this past week, uh, but mainly it was being able to see uh, Jenna, my best friend, and, and their family. And uh, we had about three weeks where we didn't get to see each other because we were all battling different illnesses and things like that. And I don't know if I mentioned on this podcast, and I'm pretty sure I can because cat's out of the bag almost here, but Jenna is pregnant with baby number three. She's due mid-September, so in like literally like two or three weeks. Um, So I'm sure she has no problem with you knowing because it's very apparent that (laughs) she's about to have a baby. Uh, But she's doing great, looking great. Um, Everyone's healthy. And so it's really great to spend time with them. And I hope that continues uh, when baby comes and we get to support them. And um, it's really great to have them just in our lives every week. So also, um, so be praying for her and also be praying for my dad who turned 70 this week. And him and my mom are going to be coming out and visiting us this weekend, probably as you're listening to this podcast. And so excited for that to happen. So lots of family or friend family joy going on. Um, junk. This last weekend was just a new level of exhausting. It was crazy. Friday night, we had this big parish thank you dinner called Hot August Night. A few hundred people, of a few hundred volunteers here to thank them, a big dinner, dancing, all this stuff. Uh, Saturday was a training for Life Teen that I spoke at uh, locally, kind of locally in Whittier, so about like 45 minutes away. And the air conditioning was out. And uh, I sweat already when I speak, so it was hot. And then I came home, napped, ate dinner, and then went to the Laguna Niguel Festival to work our church booth, uh, community booth for that. So that was like a crazy busy day. And Sunday we had RCIA. Sunday night, uh, a young man who I know, um, who he arranged for a conversation with me and some of his Protestant friends to talk about salvation. And that went for four hours. And it was so fruitful and so good. And that really is my Jesus moment. But all of that led to me being uh, very tired. And so, but my Jesus moment was that conversation and really just the openness that was there. And also just the, I just love the ability to be able to talk like nerdy theology with people who know their stuff and really just like, yeah, just help us help each other understand God and the Bible and different teachings and differences between denominations better because it helps us see, I believe, that we have more, we have so much in common. I wouldn't say that we have more in common than we don't because, I mean, there are 
Catholicism is very historically and biblically distinct. It is the faith that Jesus came to institute. And we can't fall in the trap of saying like, oh, all Christian faiths are the same because they're really not. Like Catholicism has radically different beliefs and theology than a lot of other Christian denominations. Um, but it was really fruitful, I think, to have that conversation. And uh, yeah, so we'll see what comes of it. Um, today in this podcast, I wanted to talk about um, so I, I do this weekly Bible study, which maybe you listen to here on this podcast, and thank you if you do, or if you come in person, that's even better, um, And or watch on YouTube, by the way. Um, but these past several weeks, there's been this common theme, and it just keeps like shouting at me and shouting at me and shouting at me, and I think it's really for all of us, because this is the church in, in her infinite wisdom, you know, came up with the lectionary, these readings that we hear every single Sunday, and I was looking back through the past several weeks. And so, you know, we had Easter and Pentecost, and then there was the Feast of the Holy Trinity and the Feast of Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Jesus. And then we're back in like ordinary time. And I believe that was the 13th Sunday of ordinary time. And this coming Sunday is the 23rd Sunday of ordinary time. So you have 11 weeks there. And I was looking back through all of these passages because I remember hearing this common theme. And, and I want to read these to you, and, and I'll tell you what the theme is so you can really be listening intentionally, but it's just this idea of letting go and letting God, like to use the cliche phrase, let go and let God, letting go, having this attitude of detachment from our plans, our ideas, the things that, the way we think things should be, the way we're trying to tell God to intervene or to act in our life, letting go of control and really allowing God to be first in our life, really committing to him wholeheartedly. And this really rose to the surface because of that four-hour conversation I had about these young men about salvation. And they, when you believe in faith alone, sola fide, in the Protestant world, what is emphasized is even more so, which is something we agree with as Catholics, even more so how important it is what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we don't emphasize that enough as Catholics when we talk about faith and works. Works don't earn us heaven or earn us salvation or make us any better than anyone else. They really just are the response to the gift of faith that is expected and that we're going to be judged according to, as I was talking about in, my, in the last episode. But this emphasis is like, Jesus did this for us. Like, we were so unworthy of this. Like, we are in rags, Scripture says, because of our sin. Like, completely destitute, in despair, completely devoid of grace and goodness without God. Like, God allows all of that to happen in our life. It's a free gift from him. And so he should be first in our life. Like if anything else is taking that position, like it's just, it's just silly. You know, it's, it's like if, if I'm married to my wife and I'm just like, yeah, I love you, but I also just like really love this keychain, or I just really love this mannequin that I bought at Ross that I think, you know, understands me a little bit better than you. It's just like, it's psychotic, like to like, no, like that's my spouse. Like, and that's, I think we really can fall into this trap of forgetting, like, no, that's my God. He gives me everything. He's blessed me in every way abundantly with goodness, even though I don't deserve it and I'm not worthy of it. And so all of these readings, these Gospels, I want to read you a line or two from each one and just tell you, remind you of, like, as we're in this period of ordinary time working toward the end of the liturgical year, we're going to continue to be reminded of how we are to follow Jesus as, as his disciples, and it's going to constantly come back to let go, take up your cross, be out of control, detach yourself from earthly possessions and goods and plans and ideas. Allow yourself to 
be fully immersed in what God wants for you and to follow, to submit, to obey, to um, respond to him and seek his will above our own. So that very first Sunday of ordinary time, not first, but the first one after Easter, the 13th Sunday, um, we started in Luke chapter 9. This is Luke 9, 62. Jesus says, No one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what is left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Reminding us to let go. The next week, from Luke 10. Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Wolves, Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. Have nothing that you're attached to. Continues later in chapter 10 and verse 25. There was a scholar of the law, this was the next Sunday, who stood up and tested him and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Complete devotion to God. The next week, verse 41 of chapter 10, Mary and Martha The Lord said to her in reply, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. The next week, the 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time, Luke 11 and verse 13. If you then who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Do we trust that we can let go of our ideas and our control and let God give us what he wants to give us, to bless us? The next week in Luke 12, starting in verse 20, But God said to him, You fool, this night your life will be demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Thus will it be for the one who stores up treasure for himself, but is not rich in what matters to God. This idea, again, of detachment, letting go not letting possessions rule us. The next week, it continues, sell your belongings and give alms. Provide money bags for yourselves that do not wear out. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven that no thief can reach or moth destroy. For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. Continuing in Luke 12, the next week, verse 51, do you think that I have come to establish peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two and two against three. This idea that we need to commit to Jesus, even though it might set us apart from other people and create division in our lives, like he needs to be number one. We cannot accommodate everyone's comfort or everyone else's desires and set aside the commitment that is needed for our faith. In a similar vein, the following week, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. From Luke 13, 24, we cannot do it on our own. We need to keep seeking the kingdom of God, and it will be difficult, but we need to let go of everything else and let that be our pursuit. Last Sunday, from Luke 14, verse 11, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Letting go of other people's opinions of us, of seeking Uh, what's the word, seeking uh, edification or admiration of other people. And this coming Sunday, finally, in Luke 14, verses 27 to 28, is part of the gospel reading. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be his disciple, cannot be my disciple. These constant reminders over these past several weeks 
should be kind of culminating in our ear. And maybe you've heard them. Maybe they've kind of gone in one ear and out the other. You know, you're going week after week, and maybe you haven't seen this theme. But if you do any kind of preparation for the readings, which we're all called to do, Sunday shouldn't be the first time we're hearing these readings, then maybe you've seen or gotten a sense of this theme. You know, there's some people at Bible study who keep saying, like, man, week after week, I really feel bad about this gospel. Like, it's challenging me and making me feel like I'm not doing things right. And it's like, good, yes, we need to constantly be reminded that we are unworthy of all that God has done for us. And as a result, we cannot keep grasping at things on earth that we think are going to make us happy. We need to be willing to let go, to open our hands, to say, okay, God, my life, my plans, my will, my ideas of what are going to make me happy or successful or the goals I have and the aspirations that I have, the passions I want to pursue, it's all yours. Do with it what you will. Do with it what you will. One of those weeks was the the Lord's Prayer of these past weeks. It was part of one of the Gospels that I didn't read. But that line, like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, Lord, let us be on earth so completely trusting in you and unified with you in your love. Let it be like it is in heaven where everything is perfect and everyone is completely detached from the world and totally satisfied in you and in you alone. Let that be how it is for me now. Having this spirit of detachment. So do you prioritize your relationship with God and commit to him above everything else? And it really, I think it challenges us to think about like, have I just inherited my Catholicism? Did I inherit it from my parents? Or do I now inherit it from my friends? Or did I have an experience or an encounter maybe a long time ago, but now it's just become like the motions, the practice, like this is just part of my life. Do I recognize like this is a relationship, a response to a free gift of faith that is demanding total commitment of my entire self, mind, body, and soul with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, loving the Lord with all of it, giving it all to him completely. Is that something that we have committed to? Is that something we've sat down as it, what I really admire about Protestants and what came out in this conversation is that they can pinpoint the moment where they were like, no, I don't want to be caught in my wretched sin anymore. I don't want for the wages of sin to be death. I want to claim the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the blood he shed for me to cover that sin and make me new. That's what I want. And for us as Catholics, we believe that that happens at the moment of our baptism. But so many of us are baptized before we get the chance to fully and consciously make that decision for ourselves. And that is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Like we want to be rid of original sin. We want to be claimed for the kingdom as early as possible so that the devil cannot have a foothold in our life. So I'm not saying anything against infant baptism. But what I'm saying is because of the reality of infant baptism, the consequence, the unintended consequence can sometimes be we don't reassert that commitment of faith. You know, in in many places, confirmation kind of does that, but it's not meant to because confirmation used to always happen right after, after baptism. And in many parts of the world, it does when you're still a baby. Like we have to have that moment and a series of moments throughout the course of our life, constantly, daily, giving our lives over to the Lord in response to that free gift of salvation, to respond in faith. Have you done that? Have you done it lately? Or are you, or are you, like I have been at times, 
anxiously obsessed with all the things that are under my control or trying to get problems under my control and focused on these very finite, temporary, deadline or task-oriented things that I think need to get done and are the end-all be-all, when in reality they're not. You know, I was listening to like a, a, a podcast, I think it was on the Art of Manliness uh, podcast, and there was a guy talking about like, most, we, make, we turn so many things into a thing that don't need to be a thing. And what he meant was like, we, we, we get anxious and worried about stuff. And he was like, sometimes I've had so many unread emails in my inbox, this guy did, that sometimes you just need to do like a reset. And so what he said is just like, delete all of your emails and then just send a massive email out to all of your contacts and said, hey, I just did an email reset. And so uh, I deleted all the emails in my inbox that I haven't been able to get to because they were so massive I couldn't sift through them. So if you've been waiting on something from me, uh, please just resend it and let me know. And he says, most of the time, nobody replies to that email. He's just able to free himself and start from square one. And the things that were really important, people have no problem just resending it. Like, oh, I get it. Yeah, okay, finally he can get back to what I need. That's great. And I think sometimes we need to have that mentality to life. Like we hold too many things up and we build them into these big, tall mountains of like, I have to overcome this or I have to address this. And if I don't, like everything's going to fall apart. I'm going to lose my job, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, really, most things are not a thing. We don't need to turn them into this big, monstrous thing. We just need to let go of them and let God lead us where he's going to lead us. And so how are you doing that in your own life? And I think the real trap that the devil wants us to fall into is to turn our faith into a thing, meaning that we worry and we become scrupulous about our faith, about how we practice it, about did I pray enough today? Did I, did I do all the right things? Did I go through the, motion, do the motions correctly? Like, am I being as holy as I can possibly be and get really hung up on that and worry and be anxious about it? We have to approach God as a father. And so think about little kids. Little kids don't sit around worrying, like, am I being a good kid? Like, am I, am, I, am I being a good kid? Am I doing the things that a kid is supposed to do? Did I play today? Oh, no, I didn't play today. Oh, my gosh. Am I, am I going to fail at being a kid? Like, no, they don't care. They just play or not. Like, who, they, it's just whatever they want to do. And they trust and rely on the fact that their parents are going to take care of them, that their parents are going to provide you know, they're not outside and like, okay, we don't know if we're going to eat today. So we need to go forage for food. It's like, no, they know at breakfast time, at lunchtime, at dinner time. you know, I'm talking most kids. I know there's poverty in the world. I know that there are families that are, you know, abuse is part of that and neglect. And that those are awful realities that we need to address and be part. But I'm just using this as a general analogy. Those kids, my kids, who have the benefit of being able to be part of a stable family, or at least one that provides for them and loves them they they know food's going to be there they don't question it the question is like you know is it here yet or what is it you know like so you know they get they have their preferences you know but they don't question like are we eating today my kids have never asked me that do we get are we going to eat today like of course you know or am i going to be a kid today yeah you're going to be a kid today but we get hung up on that and we're the only creature that does, you know, a deer is not worrying like about like, you know, how do I become a better deer? You know, I feel like maybe I'm not like prancing enough, you know, like, no, like we do that because we're trying to assert control just like all the way back in the garden of Eden, 
Adam and Eve asserted control over their own you know, autonomy, their own will, and decided that they knew better than God, and thus leads to our current struggle and situation that it's so much harder for us to let go of all the earthly fruits that we think are going to satisfy and just trust that God will provide, that God has given us this entire rest of the garden to eat from and to provide for us from. And so I don't know, I, I, I don't know if the gospels have been challenging for you or if this is edifying for you, but I pray that in this moment it's encouraging to you to think about all the things in your life that are causing you worry, distress, um, being tired, exhaustion, and allowing you to just do that email reset of your heart or of your priorities and just be like, does this stuff really matter? Do I really need to even finish this or worry about this or you know, check this off my list today? Like, All that really matters is, is God first? And have I lived my day today? Have I prayed today in such a way that demonstrates he is? Not because I feel like I'm supposed to, but because he needs to be in order for me to live my life the way that I've been created to live it. Just like a deer can't help being a deer. If we're being the people that God created us to be, we will not be able to help but commune with our God and rely on him. So I pray that is encouraging to you. I pray it challenges you as it has me over these past several weeks. And I pray also that your ears will be perked to hear these types of things in the coming weeks as we continue toward the end of the liturgical year because they're only going to get more pronounced, louder, and stronger, more emphasized in these readings as we get toward the readings of the end of the year, which all have to do with the end of the, the, the world. And like, you don't know the day or the hour, like, let go, be ready, like, be prepared. All of that is coming in the, uh, the gospel readings and coming eventually in the second coming of Jesus or at the moment of our death. So letting go allows us to have the spirit of readiness and willingness to cherish each part of our day, each part of our life, be present and not get hung up on these things that don't matter. I feel like I've been harping on some similar things these past several episodes. Maybe the last one on salvation was very different, but I feel like these are fundamental things of the Christian journey, and we just, we don't get them right a lot. We worry, we get scrupulous, we get overwhelmed by them, and again, I just pray that this was maybe a word of encouragement or challenge for you that speaks directly to you whenever and wherever you are listening to this. That allows you to take a step back and see what really matters. And if you're feeling really overwhelmed by things in your life right now, you know, really feeling out of control or stressed and anxious and worried about things out of your control, maybe this is what you really needed to hear to turn back to the Lord and be reminded, like hear him say to you, like you feel out of control because you're supposed to be. So just get your hands off the wheel, <laughs> like the psycho passenger that we are trying to, you know, veer the wheel out of the driver's hands and just sit and enjoy the ride. And yes, the passenger is the navigator. You know, you, you have a map out. You can say, oh, I'd like to go this way or I'd like to go that way. But ultimately, the driver's in charge. And if we ha live our life in that way where we communicate directions, desires to God, hey, I'd like to do this, but we let him be the driver and make the decision or reveal to us what it is that we should do, then we're going to get to our destination. And we're going to get there safely. No one's going to be jerking the wheel from the wrong seat. And we're going to enjoy the ride. So I pray that you can do that this week. That is all I have for you. Until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless you.